Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sunday Specials. We have a very, very good guest with us. I've been meaning to get her on the show, Elia Nitschi from Grimsby, one of the sound Tory MPs who won her seat in 2019. Welcome to the show, Elia. How are you? Thanks very much, Maya. And it's great Grimsby, actually. It's not just Grimsby. Exactly. We are great as well. Not only great Grimsby, but uh, you're one of the few candidates, well, former candidate, now current MP, who was an actual local person. So it wasn't just a parachute candidate, someone from you know, Oxford being sent to Scotland or something like that. So um, how was the, um, the experience, firstly? And, and you know, obviously this last election, it was um, slightly different because you guys uh, were given all the ammo uh, to go to the North and Midlands and everywhere to bring down all the red walls and everything. So how was it? Was it satisfying? <laughs> it was great. It was great because, um, y- you know, the, the constituency has been in the doldrums for so long, really. And... Um, uh, it, although it's been, uh, you know, mar- marginal Labour seat really for a long time, uh, people really felt positive that they, you know, they they liked the Prime Minister, they wanted to get Brexit done, and being a local candidate is really important as well. So people, you know, locally, activists were all out, and it was very positive, lots of help from um, other MPs from other areas as well. So it was a really positive campaign, and, I, you know, I'm always very happy to campaign on on positives and and people were ready for some change and so uh, you know I was in the, the the right place at the right time I'm Grimsby born and bred I've uh, taught at the uh, the, the local uh, college so uh, a lot of people know me anyway so it was great it was a great experience I, I went into it with no um thoughts that that it would be the landslide that it ended up being but I knew that if I just worked hard did my best win or lose then I could say well I'd worked hard and um, the the night was um, was a a very a very strange night really it was a bit of an out-of-body experience really because um, the wind was so huge that was a great mandate to get on with the job really. Yeah, I mean, um, especially at the time, uh, the prime minister and the rest of the party said that um, we are borrowing the votes. Um, and uh, since then, there have been a lot of ups and downs, a lot of challenges, some good decisions, some mistakes from the government. But of course, you know, you um, are, whilst you're a conservative MP, um, you're still a backbencher, you're kind of ind- well, independent, essentially, at the same time. Do you still believe that there is a way to prove to the country and to all these voters that uh, you know you you did borrow the votes, uh, so can that so that people don't become complacent or think that in oh the Tory government just took the votes and they don't really care about us anymore. How does the party go along to actually uh, win that support again and actually well magnify that uh, message? We, we know that we've we've borrowed votes, and actually you know every party only borrows the votes, and um, you've got to be mindful of that. And I think quite often in in seats like Great Grimsby where it had been. Labour since the Second World War, there was a sense of complacency from the Labour Party of it will always be Labour. And uh, and I think that's why it was such a great shock to them. And it's a very sore point, still a sore point now. Um, they believe that, you know, Grimsby is Labour through and through. And actually, Grimsby is a hardworking town. They want to see opportunities. They don't want a constant hypodermic needle of, uh, of benefits. Uh, they, mm. they want to do a good hard day's work, get paid um, properly for it and, uh, and you know, do what everybody wants to do, bring up their families, do a good job, have a decent life. That's really what the Prime Minister and Brexit means for people. And that's what we've got to do now. We've got to deliver that. And there's much discussion about, oh, levelling up, what does it mean? Well, levelling up is quite simple. And it, it's about bringing in new investment, about new ways of thinking. We've got a huge amount of investment coming into Grimsby and the surrounding areas now. 
what I've got to do is make sure that people can get the skills that they need and they're able to get those those new jobs that are coming through in the next sort of three to five years now. Yes, uh, from my media hat, actually, uh, whilst um, you know, the, the messaging or the, the context of uh, things like leveling up, you know, the actual investment, things like that are actually good. Uh, from my media hat, whilst uh, some of the slogans are very good to win support and elections, like, you know, get Brexit done or level up, um, I think that uh, the party needs to be careful to not overuse it because some of these people who voted from the Red Bull and all these places uh, voted not because of the slogans but you know because I was sick and tired of those sort of things so hopefully the party could uh, just get the things done rather than go with the, the slogans and I think that's why um, as you mentioned uh, the, the voters that we now have in the country not just the north everywhere now people who did put their trust in the Boris Johnson government these are people who don't really want handouts they want you know strong public services but at the end and then they good jobs and good investment and good growth when it comes to the economy and one of the concerns always been when it comes to public services the burden on it in terms of uh, illegal migration and things like that and um, i want to get your view on how things have gone because um, the home office i'm pretty tell um, at least the rhetoric has been quite strong. Priti Patel says that you know she, she keeps coming up with these new ideas. Uh, some of them work. Uh, some of them have been delayed. Uh, bureaucracy in the Home Office. The voters and the supporters, um, of course, they don't really care about the bureaucracy. They say, you promised us you know, that you're going to get it done. How do we do it? So what's your view on that? And um, do you have faith in the Home Office or how, how do we get them to do it? <laughs> I do have faith in the Home Office and uh, and that the Home Secretary really does want to make sure that we are uh, controlling and stopping illegal migration. You know, I, I, I'm from a, um, a family where my, you know, my dad was Italian. He came here legally in the 1960s, as I'm sure, you know, m- many people's families did. What, what we need to stop is the organised crime that is going on and, uh, and destroying people's lives. But uh, actually, th- there is a balance to be had. We've got to be, you know, learning as a as a new MP, the legalities of mm. the decisions that are made at government level, making sure that it, despite people shouting human rights all of the time, actually that we are taking care of people who need to be taken care of as well. Mm. But I think that we need to be a little bit braver. And I think coming out of, of Europe is is making us realize that we can actually have policy that we need that that is welcoming to those people who really do want to come here and want to come here legally but also being tough on the message of we won't um, allow organized criminals to control what's going on with our immigration policy my, my questions really are um, when people are coming here are we making sure we know who the people are coming yeah. here mm-hmm. um, are we uh, DNA testing? Are we fingerprinting people? Are we making sure that we know uh, who people are? Because people come to the country and then they're, you know, as we've had in, in headlines in many of the of the uh, newspapers that, you know, people are escaping, people then go into the, um, you know, I- illegal working, they get embroiled in other forms of organized crime to pay back debts. So we've really got to have some straight mm-hmm. conversations about this. And also, it's not just us, you know, the, the French in particular, yep. um, you know, are constantly saying that we're upsetting them. Well, you know, we upset them when we left the EU. And frankly, they're always upset anyways. <laughs> well, yeah, we're always upsetting the French according to the French. And they need to grow up and actually start having some yep. real constructive conversations yep. with us. Because actually allowing 100,000 people to be in a camp 
uh, next to a border really is not responsible immigration policy. And yep. so France and the EU need to be talking to us seriously about it as well, because, um, you know, that that effectively, if you're saying, well, we're going to plant people here and it's next door to the country that you all want to go to, because the reality is lots of countries in the EU, not all of them, but lots of countries in the EU, people feel that are um, uh, significantly uh, more uh, racist than uh, the UK and the UK is seen as welcoming. Mm. We've got to have a balance of making sure that the UK is seen as a, a balanced and sensible country, yep. but we're not going to be taken for a ride. So uh, I think we still need to be tougher, but tougher mm. and make sure that we're not putting people at risk. And part of that toughness comes down to actually having some proper constructive conversations mm -hmm. with the French. And my experience so far, because obviously fishing and fish processing is a huge industry, it's our biggest yep. private sector industry in Great Grimsby, seeing what the EU have been doing on the ne negotiations as far as fishing is concerned, yep. it doesn't give me great hope that they're going to do anything differently on immigration. So we've got to keep pushing hard. And, okay. and I believe Bridget Patel is the right person to do that. Well, to be fair, um, despite that, the last uh, two and a half minutes, uh, the bullet points that you mentioned made it so easy in terms of the rhetoric, at least, uh, from what we expect from the Home Office representatives to make it easy. And one of the flaws and, and the criticisms that I've had, as of course, as an independent, uh, I say that um, policy aside, things are difficult, some things get done, some things mistakes. We just need the Home Office to uh, improve the communication. And um, so your, your communication, on, it's not that on their behalf, you're not even working for them, but I now vote for you to become the next Home Secretary. Well, <laughs> but once Priti Patel is retiring. So, <laughs> so this is what we need, essentially. I think, that, to be fair, there are a lot of talents, um, especially since the, the 2019 intake and even 2017. And uh, the, the, the party and the government should utilize these sort of things because, uh, of course, there will be some decisions that could be wrong or could be right. And uh, it's not just for the sake of elections, it's just for the sake of the country as well. And uh, speaking of the country, there's another point uh, that uh, the, the government... Uh, decided to do something that even even i support for once and it's recently uh, when it comes to energy uh, and uh, the, the the idea of bailing out failing uh, or failed uh, energy companies just like how we had the same debate back in 2007 8 with banks and uh, we always had these debates uh, you know back in the uh, 70s and 80s with uh, coal mining and other places as uh, the factories in the 60s um what's your view on the bailing out failed companies that uh, start as a as a private institution and then they, they go to government and ask for free money i don't believe that we should be bailing out uh, energy companies I, I, ideally we don't want to be bailing out any companies but there, there does seem to to me to be uh, an urgent need for us to be having discussions about what we would call strategic um, uh, providers, whatever that may be, industries, and what we're going to do to make sure that we are we're putting the right legislation and regulations in place to make sure that this um, is stopping. Yes, we want the market and the market economy to be strong, yeah. but we can't have a situation where companies are coming in um, overpaying shareholders or asset stripping, and then when prices rise and it doesn't suit them, they say, "Oh no, we're going bankrupt." Um, that there's got to be some realization with these these um, companies that um, you, you know you can't uh, make hay while the sun shines and then suddenly on a rainy day you say oh well we can't do any more so um, you know the 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 secretary of state uh, is uh, you know extremely capable in this area and um, yeah. and I'm sure he'll come up with um, with the the right kind of. Uh, of, of regulation and system that we need but of course again similarly in the discussions with immigration and, it, and it, mm -hmm. this is politics all the way through we've got to make sure that those people who find themselves without a provider 
are yeah. going to be able to make sure that they have a provider and are able to um, to keep getting um, you know the the energy needs that they have at yeah. home and work. So again, mm. it's something that from a headline point of view seems really simple, but when you get into the detail of yeah. it, but. I'm a conservative and I believe in, in the market economy, but in those essential areas, right. we've got to have strong regulation to make sure that they can't just take the profits and run. Yeah, of course, of course uh, from my perspective, uh, I disagree with the, that view of uh, regulation, but, but of course there's a, there is there are two different sides, even inside the Tory party and called conservatism, when it comes to how much to regulate or not regulate, exactly. or regulate. at least there is that debate inside the, the, on, on the political right. Uh, which is fine, but the political left, and I want to get your view because, of course, you have uh, still got the, the Labour Party and the others in the Great Grimsby and other places trying to campaign against you. Uh, they go with the left-wing populist, very easy uh, rhetoric of, well, let's just nationalise the, these companies. Let's just national, nationalise all the energy firms. Uh, and uh, we promise you your bills will come down and uh, wages will go up. Um, as, as an MP and a future candidate again, um, do you have a kind of easy way to kind of sell the argument that this left-wing populist idea just doesn't work because we've been doing this for decades and decades and they keep coming back. I don't know where they, where they come from. Every single time we defeat the, the, well, the socialist argument, it keeps coming back. That's the issue where actually, you know, be, just being pure in your ideology really doesn't work. Life is much more complicated than that. And the reason that I believe in some regulation is because uh, any, any relationship, whether that's personal relationship, business relationship, government and company relationship, there have to be parameters and lines to say, this is these are the lines that we agree with are acceptable and not acceptable in this relationship. And uh, yeah. so whether it be, be between government and energy or, or, or between husband and wife, whatever that may be, you know, then there needs to be a clear, um, uh, you know, clear lines drawn to say this is how we are going to operate. This is what we expect as a government. This is what we do in our country. And this is this is how it should be. Um, you know, the socialist ideology of everything should be nationalized. Maya, you're not old enough to remember the 1970s. But in the 1970s, when everything was nationalized, I'm sure you know your political history, but we had something called the three-day week. The unions controlled the country. Uh, the bins weren't being emptied. Uh, bodies weren't being buried. Um, you know, the whole system of local government just fell apart. And, and, uh, and we didn't have electricity. You know, we had we had the three day week and, uh, you know, for for, um, you know, a number of days in the week as a child, yep. you had no lights, you had you had no cooking if you cook with electricity. Mm. Imagine that today in a world where everybody consumes uh, energy and power. Uh, the reason that the Labour Party um, wants to nationalise things like energy is because they can hold the country to account. And so if you have a nationalised industry and the unions don't like the government who's in charge, they will put the brakes on everything and basically hold the country to ransom. That's why in 1979, Mrs Thatcher had a, a landslide victory yeah. because the country had been put through that and the country was bankrupt. That's why we went into the EEC. The IMF wouldn't lend us any more money because we were bankrupt. And so yep. that, that's why we are the history of where we are now. And that's something that I've got to make sure that younger voters understand mm -hmm. that this wonderful dream of a socialist world yep. uh, doesn't work, will never work. Um, uh, the, the unions will control things. And I have to say there are quite a few organizations who call themselves lobbying organizations now 
who, when you look into their articles of associations, what mm. they say they do, I think journalists like you, Maya, should start looking into what's happening because there are some very sinister extreme left-wing things going on in our country and that they're trying to lobby government and companies for. And yep. my concern is that that is the line that they the extreme left, which is fr frankly the majority of the Labour Party now, are going to try to push us down. And I, I think that I think the public are, are more savvy than that. And they know that that isn't what they want. Um, yeah. But we really don't want a return to what we had in the 1970s because yeah. the whole country would come to a standstill. Yeah, and this I absolutely agree with you because uh, there is um, until actually it's probably 70s and 80s, uh, the hardcore ideologues on the left were the student activists, the younger Jeremy Corbyn's. And some of them became politicians or in the clothing of politicians, but they're still essentially student activists. But the people that you mentioned, these are the people who, uh, you know, whilst they used to be the, the hippies on university campuses, they now control big institutions. And some of these institutions are supposed to be so-called capitalist companies that lob lobbies, uh, certain of uh, big corporations. People, a lot of young people still assume that um, co corporatism and capitalism are the same thing. Um, we now have corporations being actually quite, left wing we have you know whether you want to call it woke or progressive or socialist whatever it is uh, you have uh, charities very left wing now we have a lot of institutions trade unions went from being just being pro working class into actually being marxist it's a bit the whole thing is a bit, a bit weird so every institution establishment is now being controlled by some sort of ideology and you're absolutely right that uh, we have to speak out against it and you guys of course in parliament have to try your best to put through the right sort of legislation don't over legislate but you know. <laughs> exactly exactly and i do you know the, that is an issue that when we have you know the blair brown government um we, i did feel that we over legislated um, yeah. that we so there, there is a balance to be had but we've got to remember about marxism and socialism you know they sound fantastic but you know karl marx and his friend engels you know were two uh, this uh, disgruntled upper middle class mm. university students who sat together and came up with this uh, this idea because they, they you know that they, they seem to me have issues with their father. Yeah. What we need to when we look <laughs> at um, the people that are in uh, in you know uh, leading the Labour Party, whether they're officially in the Labour Party or yeah. not, are upper middle class privileged people who have got time on their hands they can, they can afford not to have to go to work they can afford to go to university uh, and and they are telling the the working classes the people that actually i represent um that that this is this is some you know dreamy utopia and yeah. um uh, you know uh, people should um should read a bit more of their george orwell i think Absolutely. And to, to finish on the final point of an upper middle class, the dad issues, Marx, Karl Marx. <laughs> I want to say massive thank you to Nikki for coming on the show. And I'll, I'll put your uh, Twitter handles and obviously email address and everything down there in the description as well. Uh, any final words? No, it's, it's great to, to meet you and to talk to you. And I, I hope uh, it, uh, it will continue and I'll continue to work very hard for my hometown, Great Grimsby. Thank you very much.